Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, which I moved out of when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for eight and a half years and have two beautiful babies. Yes, and we are excited to be back once again to cover some more, or I guess I should say the second episode of the documentary on Netflix called Waco. Particularly, this whole episode, really, the entire time we were watching it, I was like, we have to do a video on comparing David Koresh to Warren Jeffs, because in the second episode, there were so many similarities. It was mind-boggling, heartbreaking, all of that. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's very obvious there's a lot of similarities between David and Warren, right? And and this episode number two being primarily about David and who he was, what he did, that type of thing, uh, it seemed fitting to compare the two since there were so many similarities. Yeah, but before we get into that, we did want to share with you all that there is a press conference coming up soon. April 17th in Cedar City, Utah. Yes, so um, if any of you have seen our past videos on women in the FLDS community who are having their children be stolen from them um, and particularly they're being told that they're runaways but really it's that the parent who's still in the community, the fathers that are still in the community are taking the children, they're being hit underground. Um, we have had luckily some success stories of children getting back with their parents which we've covered before but there are still at least five more mothers who have children that are missing. Yeah, and it seems to be even more and more are coming up that there there just seems to be a lot of this uh, with Helaman Jeff's attempt saying that it's his father's uh, Warren Jeff's idea, uh, his attempt to round everyone up that's still following Warren Jeff's and prepare them, the young women and the young man for marriages and that type of thing, and possibly. You know, there's there's a lot that we're uh, we're afraid that could happen. There's some scary stuff in these revelations, so we're just really trying to help these children be reunited with their parents, uh, and that's what this press conference is all going to be about. Yes, it's going to be all about the mothers, their stories, um, support their police, help finding and rescuing their children. It is going to be for any of you who are in live in southern Utah or that surrounding area. It's going to be at the Cedar City Courthouse, April seventeenth at one p.m. Um, in Cedar City, Utah. So if anybody can go and be there to support, unfortunately, since it is, I believe it's a Monday, we're not going to be able to make it up there. But if anybody can support these mother, hear their pleas, um, and we will try to share more information as well. And we'll probably cover the press conference in our own video um, to spread, try to spread the word, try to share pictures, um, whatever we're legally able to do so that we can help be able to reunite those children to their parents. Yeah, so thank you all, and if you are not able to attend, please feel free to spread the word. Yes. So without further ado, uh, back to uh, Waco. Yes. This, like I said, this this whole video, as they're talking about David Koresh, I was just note after note, like pausing, like, oh my gosh, this is similar, this is similar. Um, just getting into the episode itself, they're talking about that... David Crush had just received a revelation that they were not supposed to leave because they were about to all get out of the compound um, and he was told that he was supposed to wait. And so they're still, at this point, they had taken out, I think it was 18 children, a couple women, um, but there were a lot of children still inside and they were then threatening, like, the negotiation team and the hostage rescue team were really having a hard time battling back and forth because hostage rescue team is all about, like, 
get in there, save the get hostages, it get yeah. it done. Yeah. And the negotiation team were trying to like, obviously negotiate and get everybody out. And so there was a lot of back and forth with that and miscommunication when it came to them. But the first thing that they said that reminded me a lot of the, I don't know, of the new revelations that are talking about mass suicide, right? And they, the one girl who was there had said that if they entered the building, we'd commit suicide. So they already knew that was part of the plan was like this option to commit suicide. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the revelations Melissa is referring to, for those of you that don't know, are revelations coming from Warren Jeffs from his prison cell telling his people that, uh, you know, it's in the near future that will be required that they die to be translated to heaven. And so that's what she's referring to. And that is so similar with David in the way that he was handling the situation. It seems that he was telling his followers, Hey, we are going, there's going to come a time very, very soon where we're all going to have to die to prove our worthiness to God. And he was claiming himself that he was Christ. So, oh man, like to be in that position that you're willing to just, the, the one lady mentioned she was holding a grenade with several other people in the room that she was willing to set off uh, because she, it, she because she didn't feel that this life was important. She felt that the only thing that was important was to do the Lord's will. And if it meant to die, then that was okay for her. It's like if they had left the building, what was going to happen to them? Now, they did see that someone was arrested, right? So obviously jail seems bad, but bad enough to kill yourself for, it's not like as they were walking out, like the police were shooting them, you know what I mean? And killing them. So why they felt like suicide was the only other option to being like captured by the police is also really intriguing to me. I'm like, I don't understand how it could like escalate. If I leave, it's better to be dead if they come in than for them to take me and and what? I, I'm assuming that was David's doing, that he was he was convincing them that that was the better option and that's what God wanted was for them to give their own lives as opposed to being captured or, or taken from the government. And it's probably because then they would be able to testify as to what he was actually doing behind those closed doors. And that could ruin his name. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very, very possible. When you talk about the fact that he thought that he was Jesus Christ, um, they mentioned, and the one follower had talked about the fact that he had been shot and he ended up with a, a hole in his hand and a hole in his sides. And he was 33 years old. And so he was talking about how that, the similarities between him and Jesus Christ, right? That the government would do and end up putting holes in his body. He was at the same age and he might probably die, but that it would all be worth it. And so that was like the first thing that they said where I was like, oh my gosh, Moore just never claimed to be Jesus Christ. But the reason that he said that he was a prophet was because of past prophets, because of Joseph Smith. You know, Joseph Smith had plural wives. He had underage wives. And there were some lives where he would compare himself to just doing the same things as these modern day prophets. So there was precedent, right? Yep. And here's David Koresh using precedent of Jesus Christ. And you have Warren Jess who's using pre precedent of Joseph Smith. Yeah. What do you think about that, babe? Yeah, well, it's interesting. They always try to, they always try to use um, religion or past events as a disguise to get away with what they want. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it seems that a lot of times these 
con artists or these people that are trying to take advantage of others will use religion as a way to get away with it and to claim, hey, you know what, this is what this prophet did, this is what Jesus Christ was doing, and try to twist it in their own way to say that was what they were doing. Now in modern days, we're doing things a little bit different because this is, this is in preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and, and they just add their own little twists and things while still saying, I'm just doing what they were doing back in those days. The next interesting thing that was similar was the fact that he was looking, they, they talked about David Koresh growing up and how he was searching for the Bible. Like, um, and so he went to this group and I didn't know, I just assumed because his name's David, <laughs> that he had started the Branch Davidian, but he did not. And it was already founded clear back in the 30s. So he went and found this group, um, cozied up to the leader. And when the leader's son should have taken over, instead, he ended up in jail for trying to actually forcibly take it over with guns. But he was successful. And while Warren Jeffs, instead of guns, used manipulation tools, Warren Jeffs was not the oldest son. He should not have taken, he wasn't the oldest son. He wasn't the highest in the church right under his father, Rulin Jeffs. And so the fact that he snaked his way into becoming the next prophet and here's David Crush forcibly like getting closest to the leader. They said even sexually, even though there was a huge age difference, right? But doing whatever it takes to get close to the leader and sneaking their way in as the, the new leader. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's very similar. They both did, uh, well, oh man, you're right. I mean, David just said, no, I'm the next leader and I'm taking over and, and that's that. It seems to be in a lot of religious, or at least in within the um, LDS church and, and the, the shoot-offs from the LDS church, there has been break-offs. Every time uh, a new prophet becomes the prophet, there are break-offs because some people don't believe them, but most people do. And it's just, it's interesting how Warren Jeffs just went in and said, hey, you know what, I'm the next leader because that's what my father is saying and that's that. And a lot of people believed him, and he—I I think it just comes down to those people that are really good with words. You know, they know how to—they know how to say the right thing that will tug on the heartstrings of their followers, and uh, unfortunately, they get a lot of people to believe them. That definitely seems like another common theme between both of them is that they both were like very charismatic. Like the way they spoke really—I mm. hate to say—the way they spoke really spoke to people, but it did. It seemed to affect them. You know, people were coming to David and being like, "Oh, have you heard?" his sermons, right? Like wanting to listen to his sermons from hours and hours into the night. And Warren Jeffs is known for having like really long sermons, even from his prison cell, mm. right? Like what yeah. was the longest sermon you think you sat through? Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question, but uh, he would give sermons for a couple hours sometimes. That's the longest I had sat through, but I know that there's probably longer ones that he gave either in his own home or, you know, with families that were closer with him. But yeah, he, he definitely did a lot of just sitting there and talking and just coming up with stuff as he was talking. He didn't really have a script in front of him. He would just stand in front of people at the pulpit and there would be some times where he would go silent and he would be thinking about what to say. And of course, we were always told that the silence was him communicating to God uh, to give him the next things to say right then and there on the spot. And so, you know, I mean, they, they, no teleprompters, no teleprompters, oh, no, nothing, nothing. <laughs> it was just all right there. As he was speaking, he would come up with new things, but it also seemed that they were both very, very 
up, like they knew a lot about the scriptures. That's what I was going to say, David, big scriptorians. David and Warren both had been reading the scriptures since they were kids, and they knew it from front to end. It was very, yeah, very, very good at the, um, their scripture verses and just to be, to be able to quote things right, right off the bat like that. To me, it's so disturbing that, and this is kind of the next thing we'll get into, but it's so disturbing that these men who are like, know the scripture so well, and I think if you asked anybody like, what are Christian moral values, right? Uh, value family, children, pro-life, like all these things that you would think of as family Christian values are all these positive things. And it's so sad that you see these men who claim to be huge scriptorians, claim to speak for God, and somehow... In these groups it always ends in pedophilia and it just is so gut-wrenching and so frustrating to like as soon as they started talking about crush his first wife was 14 years old maybe I should, maybe I should do like little check marks like Warren Jeffs you know same thing Warren Jeffs 14 year old wife for sure and then after a while he received, David Koresh received revelation that he was supposed to have plural wives. It's pretty obvious that they're doing it for their own personal desires, but using religion as that disguise of, no, I'm just, I'm just doing what God wants, but, but I'm going to have several more wives now, and I'm going to start marrying them at any age I desire and any, any age I want. It's just, it's, it's sickening to think that um, people are using religion for that purpose. Yeah, and then he received revelation that he was supposed to be able to marry and have other men's wives. Now, Warren, it was as easy as you kick somebody out, he could make, he had all the power in the world to make anybody his wife, yep. right? No matter their age, no matter if they were previously married, and the same type of thing. And he had his father, who was after his stroke, marry young girls knowing that he was going to take them for wives for himself after. Yeah. So, so disgustingly similar when it came to, he called their revelation, the revelation of the new light. That was theirs. Um, David. FLDS, yeah, for FLDS David. Yes, was heavenly sessions and things like that. Yeah, well, the law or, of celestial marriage. Or the celestial marriage. Uh -huh. Was the law of polygamy. Oh, man. Heavenly Sessions, though, that now was, that you mention it. That was a whole other thing, I guess. That was a Warren's way of trying to get away with um, having sexual relations with ch children and, and, and his own wives that he had given to himself several at, the, at a time. I mean, it, it was just a... Like in groups and stuff. And, yeah. And... I think it was in Keep Sweet Pray, maybe it was a different one, where Naomi talks about how the heavenly sessions, like someone would even have to record because they were told that all these, the sexual orgy, this group sexual encounter was all okay because it was for God, it was for the prophet. You know, he would flail, and, and this is all Warren Jess, but he would flail and they had to bring him back because um, he was atoning for people's sin, like that it was this big spiritual experience. And the lady in this Waco documentary also was talking about the fact that David Koresh, so we have Warren Jess over there telling these women that it's a spiritual experience to be having sex. And then over here you have David Koresh, who this woman was talking about that she believed that he was the key to eternal salvation. And women would stay as long as they could after Bible study, hoping that he would take them to bed. And when she was picked, she even said, and she seemed like she still believed it to be true, which is a little eerie, 
but she said, um, he did it for me to have time with my God. That was her quote. And I was like, oh my gosh, like for these men to convince these women that taking advantage of them sexually was a privilege that they had and that it was going to somehow bring them closer to God is, I, I don't even have words for it other than the fact that these men are amazing manipulators yeah. to be able to convince these women. And like I said, this woman who was on the documentary, I don't remember her name in, in Waco, but she sounded like she still believed that it was. And maybe she does now that it's all over and he's dead and there wasn't really closure. I don't know. I don't know. Not to mention that these were women that were married to other men that he had convinced. David had convinced these other men that he was the only one that was going to be able to have sex with the, with their wives. And they were no longer able to be with their wives. Only David could be with their wives. And so when we say he was picking women at the end of his sermon, we're talking about any of them women that were already married and and their and their men were or their husbands were there in the group and watching these women being uh, or going to David's room so i mean the fact that he was able to convince the women and the man that it was perfectly okay and this is what god wanted that's some serious Oh man, that, 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 I mean, I warned Jeff did the same type of thing, except for it was more of a, hey, you're no longer able to be here. So he would throw the men, the, out. The men out of the community. But David convinced them to, while still living in that house, that it was okay to be with their wives. Well, so. and some men weren't. Like the one, the one girl said that her father said, no, I'm not down for that. But the mom chose to stay and the mm -hmm. husband left, right? So the women were still convinced. And sometimes when these men in power like that have that much power over the women, because you would think like in FLDS, it's easy for outsiders to say, well, if my husband was kicked out, like I would go with him, mm -hmm. right? How do these women stay in a situation when the husbands are being, the families are being separated? Why wouldn't you go with your husband? Because in an outside perspective, you choose your husband, right? You have that choice, you have that connection, and you're going to be with them, you know, through thick and thin for better and for worse. But I think the fact that these women don't even choose their men, and even if they do end up loving them, they're taught their entire lives to love God and love and listen to the prophet first and foremost above anything else. Yeah. And so David Koresh did the same thing with his followers. If you can convince them to love you as Jesus Christ, more than anything else, they're going to pick him over their husbands every time. Oh, yeah. Well, and everything, when you believe in someone to be a, a god or a prophet that strongly, suddenly the things that happen on this earth aren't that important. They're just things, they're trials, or they're things you need to work through or get through to get to the ultimate goal, which in most cases these groups or cults or whatever you want to call them are always prophesying of an end date that is coming very very soon and that is one of the main reasons that they these people keep going along with what they're saying and what they're telling them to do is because they're afraid that if they don't do what they're told to do you know a couple years down the road everything's going to come to an end and they gave up their eternal salvation because they weren't obedient on that one thing that they were asked of 
So yeah. it's, it's tough. And it was the same with uh, Warren Jeffs, David, both of them were prophesying of the end coming very soon. Yep, and the fear of government, right, was definitely a big thing. Yeah. Um, again, the pedophilia, saying that he started having sex with young, young girls as early as 10 years old, which is just heartbreaking. They were talking about young girls giggling and laughing about being his future wife, like at the opportunity, right? And young girls in the FLDS, you hear that when oh. the when the ranch was raided, right? And these young girls, part of the reason the CPS came in was because these young, young girls were writing in their journals about becoming mothers and becoming wives at such a young age. Again, just one more similarity of convincing these young girls that it was okay and that it was going to, you know, that that's their whole purpose is to be able to marry. And if they can marry the prophet or in David Crush's case, you can marry Christ himself, then there's no bigger, there's no bigger honor. And one woman said, that they came of age at 12. So girls were adults, according to their beliefs. Well, but who gave them those beliefs? Yeah. No, you're fine. It's, well, of course, uh, they, the, their own, the, the leaders that were wanting to be with these young girls were the ones giving them the, the beliefs, of course. Mm -hmm. But it, this is the reason that when my sister married uh, Warren Jeff's father, Rulin Jeff's, when he was the prophet, at, he was in his 80s and she was a young teenager when they got married in my eyes and in her eyes it was this huge honor you know she was marrying the prophet of God and what a huge honor that was and she even felt that way that it was just the most amazing thing in the world because of the way that she was brought up to, to, to look at these men as those type of people that anyone would want to be with uh, and like you just the, you mentioned the giggling and the the girls writing in their journals wanting to be uh, married to the prophet it was the same kind of idea and we're also taught that really you know getting married and having children was the only real purpose other than being obedient and keeping sweet in the FLDS for a woman uh, for not only for a woman but for a man too and a man is supposed to follow the the teachings of the prophet and go work and make money and that type of thing but ultimately the only goal was to have more children and be obedient so that you can survive and live for eternity with God so even myself that I would say Oh man, but even before I was a teenager, I was wanting to get married. I got this, I can do this, you know, I'm, pre I'm prepared. Uh, and th those were some thoughts that I had at such a young age because in my mind that was the only truly important thing. Yeah. So even for a young boy, you know, it wasn't just the girls. Yeah, and for girls they didn't even have work or anything else to look forward to. Right. It was motherhood and getting married and it sounded like in the Davidians, you know, David Koresh had instilled that in those girls as well. And so he was continually grooming them and getting them ready to be married at a very young age. Um, if he wasn't already, it sounds like there was already sexual abuse even before, you know, even before he was marrying them. Um, but just really sad to see so many similarities, so many things that I was just like, this is like Warren Jeffs, this is like yeah. Warren Jeffs. Yeah. And... Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Just uh, before we wrap it up, something that was brought up in this episode that a lot of people wonder, and I've wondered a lot myself as well, is do you think these men actually believe mm -hmm. that what they're saying is true? Do you, do you think that they actually believe 
that they're talking with God, or in David, David Koresh's, uh, in, in his, I guess, mixed up way of believing that he was actually Christ himself, you're right. So, do, do, do they actually believe these things? And, I mean, I guess, share your comments. What do you think, first of all, uh, if you've had experience with these type of men, do they actually believe it? And I've come to the conclusion that I do believe that, I'll take Warren Jeffs because he's the one that I'm familiar with, that I do believe he actually believed some of the stuff he was claiming, uh, like like speaking with God and and receiving revelation from God and those types of things. I do believe he felt that he was actually receiving that revelation. Uh, I think that he had convinced himself of it. And I think that he had told himself enough and also himself being raised in a group, a very, very strict religious group, told his entire life that he uh, could communicate with God through revelation and that he needed to always be listening for the Spirit to be guided in his life and all those things at a very young age as a young boy growing up. I think that if you're told that your entire life and then you see that your future could lead to being a prophet yourself, you're going to convince yourself that you're actually talking to God. That's 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 what I would, I guess that's my opinion, but uh, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, well, before I say what I think, they did mention that, like you said, in the video, and they were talking, you know, the negotiators were saying the same thing. You know, there were people who were like, oh, he's just a con man, oh, he's just a narcissist. Um, but the negotiators were like, no, we really think that David Koresh believes everything that he's saying. And I think, honestly, just along the same lines as what you were saying, I think it's a fine line. I, I feel like there has to be a certain point um, where again, coming back to the idea of like, if they're that in tune with the Bible and these type of things, there's a point where they're going to know that what they're doing is wrong. I really do think that I think they might try really hard to convince themselves. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the stuff along the way to get to the point that they're at, um, could be done with good intentions or believing that they're talking to God. But I do think that there's a certain point where they'd have to realize it's wrong. Um, but I also think that they can push that aside and continue to justify it in any way that they can. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they can be completely oblivious to hurting children. It's a tough one, but I will say this. I, I agree with you. I think there came a point where he realized, okay, this, like in his mind, he probably told himself, what I'm about to do is not okay, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe, maybe his... his uh, Conscious was kicking in and he was realizing I'm probably doing something I shouldn't but here's the thing If they if they do something they don't feel they should be doing Shouldn't they stop receiving revelation? So if they get away with it if they do something they thought maybe this isn't okay But then they still continue to receive these types of feelings and thoughts coming to their head that they have told themselves their entire lives is revelation from God then they could convince themselves that oh no, that was actually what I was supposed to do. Maybe maybe doing that thing was something that God put into my mind to do because that's what he wanted, right? So, I mean, there's still a way to convince yourself, even with something that crazy, if they, if they really thought they were talking with God. Yeah, I think there's definitely a certain element of convincing themselves to a point to where obviously they're willing to do those type of things. Yeah. But I, I still think there had to have been some point along the way where they were like, there has to be a certain, sure. I, I'd like to believe, I'd like to believe that everybody has a certain amount of light in them that 
realizes that those type of things are wrong, but it can definitely be overpowered by a sense of belief. And not to mention, not to continue this on forever, but yeah. <laughs> not, not to mention that for someone to do what Warren Jeffs did for, and is, is doing, and for somebody like Dave to do what he did, like, it's, it's hard to even fathom what's going through their heads, going through their minds uh, for the average person, I would think. Yeah. Because like, they're, they're clearly not right in the head if they're doing something which they are doing, right? So there, there's, there's got to be more to it. Who knows what the, is actually going on in someone's head like that. It's hard to even fathom. Yeah. Either way, super sad that there is more than one person like David Koresh or Warren Jeffs. But there is, um, we will next week, we'll review the, the third and final episode on Waco and um, kind of compare and contrast. I have no idea. We haven't watched it yet. So no idea what's coming up in this next episode and um, what some similarities or differences might be like. But if you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, please like and subscribe. And we'll talk to y'all soon. We'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you.